Hello, this is Andrew Middleton from the Learning, Teaching and Assessment in Higher Education podcast from Sheffield Hallam University in the UK. In this podcast, I'm talking with Julie Coleman, a senior lecturer in occupational therapy in our Faculty of Health and Wellbeing. I met Julie to talk about her interest in digital storytelling, an interest that we share. Understandings of the potential for digital storytelling is being developed by a small but growing network of which I am part. It can work in many ways, but these generally fall into three categories. Firstly, learning by making, developing knowledge through the articulation of a story or reflection upon it. Secondly, learning by listening to other people's stories. And the third category is a mix of the two, where the process of making the story is recognised for its potential to mediate the communication itself. In my conversation with Julie Coleman, we touch on all of these three approaches. And prior to the interview, Julie had shown me an example of her own story-making, a very touching and personal story. But storytelling itself doesn't have to be so emotive. In the conversation that follows, we agree that digital storytelling can be valuable to all disciplines, and increasingly so, now that we appreciate the role of authenticity in learning and teaching. So here's the interview that I recorded earlier with Julie. Your background is actually in art and and video making, isn't it? Did you develop an interest in art therapy as an art student? That's an interesting question, because I I have done art, but I think I was much much more interested in doing it for myself than I was in facilitating other people doing it, I suppose. And it wasn't until I was a bit more mature, let's say, that that I started um, looking more at um, sort of the helping... Kind of career, so so I started off in art and design, and I mean it was it was through really my my sister's experiences that I I decided to train to be a health professional. So the the digital storytelling that that I ended up doing kind of makes the whole the whole of my life feel um, somehow sort of rounded into a package, whereas before it was all little bits. It felt like little bits, but. I, through digital storytelling and my interest in digital storytelling, everything that I've ever done seems relevant to everything else. It's, it's almost knitted all the different bits together. So it's a desire to make sense, perhaps. I think that is the real power of digital t- storytelling, is, is that it has, it has that potential to make sense of things, where, where maybe other methods have failed, you know. The, the power of being able to craft a story it's much more powerful than just having a conversation which is a, it is, it's a powerful thing in itself being listened to and having a conversation is a powerful thing but then making a digital story and in, you know, in a way the process of making a digital story is going to involve many conversations but the process of it sort of ups the ante really in terms of effectiveness I think effective communication okay um, if we do a bit of a sidestep, would you, would you like to actually introduce um, your role at the university now and what you're planning on, on doing with digital storytelling and what you've done over the last few months? Okay, well, um, yes, I got very excited by digital storytelling um, and I work as a senior lecturer here at Sheffield Hallam in occupational therapy 
and I encountered digital storytelling through, by browsing on the internet and coming across a website called Patient Voices. And I, I started looking at the digital stories on that website, Patient Voices, um, and I found them very, very... It was, it was very inspiring. I thought, this is what I've been looking for. Because what they were, I was looking for at the time, ways of really bringing reality into the classroom. Um, and this, digital storytelling, seemed like a brilliant way of doing that. Because um, if a service user or a carer is telling the story, then they have total control over how that story comes out. And then that story can be used in the classroom without that service user having to be present or explain themselves or stand up and do presentations. But their story can be told um, very easily. The, the benefit to the students is a byproduct of the production of the digital stories. And I do think that the therapeutic use of digital stories is, is very important and will be increasingly important, really, as this technology comes into more, more common usage. But because I work in education and I'm here um, with an educational hat on, then, it, then of course I am very interested not only in students learning from the stories of service users and carers, but also having a go at making digital stories themselves. And also, you know, anybody. There, I think there's, there's um, a purpose and a, and a benefit for anybody to make a digital story. Because it's a very good way of, of um, expressing a story. Yeah, I, I think maybe pick up on that in a minute. Just in terms of... Um what's happening between the service users and their carers. I suppose a third benefit there might be the way the technology might enable communication between the carer and the um, patient themselves. Is, is that something that you've thought about at all? Yes, it is. I, mean, I can certainly see an application with people with dementia, for example, that somebody maybe in the early stages of dementia could invest some time telling their story. And then that story, as the condition advances, that story will be there to inform anybody that cares for that person of who that person is, um, which is very important in dementia, where so much is lost sort of in the later stages. Um, and that enables somebody to maintain their quality of life. Um, so, you know, for, for a therapist, for a student therapist, to learn about these kind of techniques, I think is very, very important. And how does that compare to other making therapies, you know, art therapy? Um, is there a, a direct comparison? Is it just another uh, set of tools? I would say it's, it's another set of tools. Um, so we've noticed that there are some obvious uh, benefits in terms of, you know, therapy and communication. How else might digital stories be used in education, maybe beyond your own discipline? Um, I, would, I would say a great tool for any sort of continuing professional development for anybody that's engaging in a, in a, in a period of, of work over a long period of time. It's an aid to reflection. So any um, tutor or lecturer as part of their professional development, I would say this would be a, a tool that they could use. Just going back to the patients, it, one of the things I encounter regularly when talking about technologies is that technology, well I call it a hurdle, some people call it a barrier, but usually it's something that can be got, you know, got over. Um, with 
Patience. I'm, I'm imagining and carers, people holding recording devices and digital cameras and, and then going through a, a bizarre, protracted process of trying to piece it all together. I mean, is it really realistic, generally? Um, uh, absolutely, I think it is, but it needs very careful facilitation. And that's why I'm really pleased that um, Sheffield Hallam have this partnership with um, the Patient Voices Programme, Pilgrim Projects, who have agreed to come and run um, a series of workshops for us and to um, help us um, with that very careful facilita facilitation that's needed. So once you really know what you're doing with digital storytelling, you can, in, say, a two- or three-day workshop, really um, enable and facilitate people to make digital stories, and you can teach them about the technology and have really good results. But what that involves is, um, is you do a lot of teaching on the day with the people, and then you do post-production work afterwards to polish the stories. The process of digital storytelling... Um, is usually a two-day workshop, quite intensive full days they are, um, and you start off with um, probably about six to ten people. So, so the workshops that we're running next week, we have ten service users, we have three facilitators, that's me and the two people from Pilgrim Projects, and we start off with everyone sitting in a circle and sharing what it is that they'd like, like to like to talk about, make a story about, and they will have um, been given materials to think about, to really think about how what they want to do prior. So they've come already thinking about it. They've usually come probably with images as well that they want to use and some sort of idea. And then over the course of the two days, that story is shaped and honed down um, into something that's workable, into, into a sort of two to three minute story for me when I, when I did mine I, I, um, I went there and I, I had a very clear idea in my head that I was going to tell a story about a certain experience and actually what, through, the, through the group facilitation process I was enabled to understand that there was a bigger story that needed to be told and I had to tell that story before I could tell this other story so something surprising happened during the process thing. for you mm. Uh, yeah. So, th working through the actual process revealed something significant to you. Yes, most definitely. So, I can actually see how beneficial that might be in yeah. education as a, a tool to aid reflection generally. Yes. But, yeah. It's experiential learning, really, isn't it? And in, in, it's, it's reflection and and learning by doing. Yeah. Um, in quite a powerful way and then you end up with this end product which you can show on this big screen and you can say look what I've done isn't that amazing and it is but your story was very touchy and uh, and very very powerful um, and uh, my comment to you after we went after we had watched that was that a lot of digital stories tend to be very emotive tend to be very much about life stories and, and really people uh, finding some sort of re release through the medium, which is, which is absolutely fantastic. What I'm wondering is whether it can actually work in education on a more superficial level. Because also what I saw, there was uh, a high degree of craft. 
this wasn't what I do with these podcasts, basically plonk the recorder on the table and say, come on, let's tell a story. This was really very considered. Is that the way you see it, being a very crafted approach and a lot of the benefits coming out of that craft? They are, the digital stories are very individual and I think what influenced the development of that story was what happened on the workshop. Um, so, so what tended to happen on the workshop was that we would share, so we'd be influenced by what each other said as we were listening to each other's stories. And then the facilitators would also show us digital stories that they'd produced or others had produced. And that in influenced me as well. And then various conversations during the workshop. Like I remember having... Um, Everything, I thought, right, I'm going to do a sort of storyboard. And I had it all laid out on this great big piece of paper on a long table. All the pictures I was going to put here, there, and everywhere. And at the beginning, end of the first day, you're then thinking, okay, what is the story I'm going to tell? And then, right, they say, right, you're ready to record. You're ready, ah, you're ready to record. Sort of, and that's the first stage that you, you, you record the narrative. And so it's during that first day that you. you your mind is going round and round. How am I going to structure the story? What am I going to leave in? What am I going to take out? And that is a facilitated process. And then the second day, it's like, let's arrange all the images and what we're going to have where. And firstly, that was like a manual process. And then it, with any sort of digital media, because you've got absolute, almost infinite choice over everything, and that's one of the disadvantages of technology in a way, you've got too much choice. And the thing about the facilitation is that it, helps you to narrow down those choices and it also helps you to to control the time that you've got and make the best use of it so I remember on the second day I had all these I loads of ideas I want to describe this with this 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 and have all these images and it was they had to be very firm with me they was they were saying no you know look you haven't got time to do that why don't you just focus on this what do you think about this what do you think about that just really focus it down and then you'll get something, you will have an end product. Whereas the way you're thinking at the moment, you're not going to have an end product because you've got too much, there's too much. And I think that is, with any creative endeavour, that is a danger. But with digital media, I think it's particularly an issue. And what about the other people who are doing the course at the same time as yeah. you? Were there some people that had no ideas at all? Or, or did you look around and notice that everyone's got, you know, to go out people did yeah everyone had ideas people, everyone had ideas because everyone's got a story but a lot of quite a few of the people said well I don't think this is a very good story or this won't make I, I don't think this is very important or very interesting and through the workshop they were sort of encouraged and enabled to choose between what maybe people had a couple of people had more than one um, story or one part of a story yeah, so actually none of this is about digital anything it's to do with storytelling which is an ancient ancient craft which in many ways we've lost because of the modern age and by putting the word digital in front of a story it's a way of actually reclaiming something that's very old and very very powerful right well that was something that i wanted to pick up on both the word digital which you've just raised quite neatly um what does what is the signif significance of that to us in education now. It, for me, digital seems to be more about a way of, well, making something accessible. Absolutely. That's the word I would use, definitely. It makes it accessible. My story, you can, anybody can look at. 
anyone in the world with a computer and an internet connection can look at my digital story. And, and that is an amazing opportunity that we have in our society. And as a storyteller, the process was made accessible to you because there were digital devices, there was, if you like, almost a reason or a method available to you to communicate with you. Yes. I, suppose that's I think that's, it, yeah, it? that's, um, I would never have made that story or be interested in digital storytelling if it wasn't for the, the group facilitation process, which is the power probably said that too much actually well no but um, I think it, it's you know it's that rubbish in rubbish out with technology isn't it that you can you can have all this technology but what's it for you know it's how you, a pencil is just a pencil it's what you do with it oh exactly so I, I don't think you have said okay. enough about the group facilitation process I mean it's clear that it happened in, in a group workshop sort of situation mm. over a few days but what was the dynamic going on there? Um, I mean, some people would find it quite inhibiting, I would imagine. But it didn't seem to work out like that. It seemed as though the group worked together. Yeah, and that, that's, that's, that's down to the group facilitation. So um, very careful listening to each other, um, setting ground rules around what's acceptable behaviour and what isn't. Um, Honouring each other's stories, really. And the other thing that interests me is that sort of transcultural nature of, of storytelling as well and how, um, I mean, Pilgrim Projects, they're at this moment, I think, in California, working with um, Native American populations, making digital stories with Native American people, which is very interesting. So, uh, storytelling a big part of their tradition and then brought into the modern age. It's one of the odd things, I was just thinking about this earlier, that... I seem to remember a lot of my school days spent on writing and learning how to write stories. And I'm trying to think, you know, what I've done with that. I mean, yes, we learn how to talk and hopefully articulate ourselves. But there was a lot about the art of storytelling as a school child for me, and I think it's probably the same with most people. And as you say, you know, in other cultures, storytelling and, and those skills are very present. But in education, were those was that skill development just on the road to somewhere else, or should we in higher education be taking storytelling a lot more seriously? Yeah, I absolutely think we should be taking storytelling seriously because it's a very it's again that word accessible. It's a very accessible way of of, of introducing a concept um, is to wrap it in a story, and it helps the learner to um, make sense of it in health and social care. Maybe it's easier in health and social care than it is in other disciplines because we're, we're all the time going back to an, the experience of the, the client or the patient that we're, that's what we're interested in, is training people to, make, to be very good health and social care professionals. A lot of that is about getting underneath human experience. And then all kinds of practices and concepts in health and social care, you can pin on a story that somebody's telling, you know, whether it's somebody that's gone into hospital because they've fallen over, or whether it's somebody who um, has had a had a very good experience of some care that's that's been given to them, then they can tell the story of that care, and then it's a learning. Po- it can be a learning point for students. It can be a critical incident. It can act as a critical incident that a, um, you can ask students to reflect on and learn from. My, my feeling is that it is 
really, really important across the, the subject areas. One of the big drivers I think that we'll see in higher education in the UK is this notion of authenticity, you know, relevance, helping people to make sense of, and, and looking at the application. If we can bring stories into higher education, whether they're student-generated or generated by our users out there, by our professions, I think it will make our learning experience so much more rich. Yes, authenticity and richness. Yes, it's, I think it's what we all want. It's what students value about education as well. Let's leave it there. <laughs> Thank you very much, Julia. That's really fascinating. Thank you. Thanks to Julie. Uh, you'll find in the show notes a link to the Patient Voices website. I think this can be found at patientvoices.org.uk, but check the show notes for the accurate version of that. If you'd like to get in touch with me, then you'll find the contact details in the show notes. Thanks for listening.